resuming his place next to Esma. And in P-38, is that your house directly behind you? He nodded, and Judge Gautam asked him to answer out loud so the court reporter could record his response. And what about these other structures in the background, I asked. Who lived in those houses? House was generous. The dwellings shown were no better than lean-tos, each jerry-rigged from whatever the residents of Barupra had salvaged. Timbers or old iron posts had been forced into the ground and then draped most commonly with blue canvas tarpaulins or plastic sheeting. There were also chunks of building materials, especially pieces of old roofs, which had been scavenged from the wreckage of nearby houses destroyed in the Bosnian War. That war had been over for nine years in 2004, but there was still no shortage of debris because no one knew which sites had been booby-trapped or mined. The people, answered Furco about his neighbors. And is the word in Romany for the people Roma? He nodded again. And to be clear, for the record, a more vulgar word in English for the Roma is gypsies? Gypsy, Furco repeated with a decisive nod. That might well have been the only word of English he knew. Well, we'll say Roma. Was it only Roma who lived in Barupra? Yes, all Roma. How many persons, approximately? Four hundred, about. And now let me ask you to look again at the computer screen. This will be Exhibit P-46, Your Honors. Is that roughly how the village of Barupra appeared during the time you lived there? Esma had secured a couple of photos of Barupra and the surrounding area taken in 2000 by one of the international aid agencies. The picture I was displaying showed the camp from a distance, a collection of ragged dwellings clinging together at the edge of a forbidding drop-off. And how long had you and the other Roma lived there? Ferco seesawed his head. Five years? And where had you and your family and the other people in Barupra, where had you been before that, if you can say? Kosovo. We ran from there 1999. Because of the Kosovo War. Because of the Albanians, he answered with another dismal wobble of his head. So, let us return then to the late hours of 27th of April, 2004. About 20 men appeared in the Roma refugee camp at Barupra in Bosnia, correct? We waited again for the laborious process of translation to unfold a floor above the courtroom, where the interpreters were positioned behind a window. My questions were transformed first from English to French, the International Criminal Court's other official language, and then by a second translator into Romani, the Roma's own tongue. The answer came back the same way, like a wave rippling off the shore finally reaching me in the female translator's plummy British accent. This time, though, the process was short-circuited. Va answered Rinchich in Romany as soon as he heard the question in his language, adding an emphatic nod. We all understood that. And what nature of men were they? I asked. Did they appear to have any profession? 
Chetniks. And please describe to the court what you mean by that word. I leaned down to Gus, the tall, red-faced investigator assigned to the case, who was seated next to me at the foremost prosecutor's desk. What the hell is a Chetnik? I whispered. Up until that moment, I had thought I was doing fairly well, having been on the job all of three days. There was nothing here I was familiar with. The courtroom, my colleagues, or the rigmarole of the International Criminal Court with its air of grave formality. The black robe I wore, and the little doily of a tie beneath my chin, made me feel as if I were in a high school play. This was also the first time in my life I had examined my own witness without the opportunity to speak to him in advance. I had first met Ferko Rencic in the corridor, only seconds before...